want to give into the bottle, but he wanted to make sure everybody else was giving too. And he was as excited about all the other kids giving as he was about his own giving. So I'm thinking next week, whoever's putting the, the guys together for uh, communion, yeah, he needs to be passing the plate, you know, maybe running up and down the aisles with it, you know. He was excited. That was awesome. So it is good to have kids in the church. Even though they, they make a little noise from time to time, that's okay. So we're, we're happy to have them. Um, today we're going to continue our, our study into uh, Malachi. And uh, I, I like to call this sermon, The Heart of Worship is what I titled it. We don't necessarily put titles on them. But as I was putting this together, we were looking at <coughs> excuse me, the next section of Malachi, Malachi chapter 1, uh, verse 16. Don't, don't go there yet, Remington, but you guys go ahead and mark your books. Uh, Malachi chapter 1, starting in verse 6, is where we're going to be today. Um, I I'm, I'm hope you guys really enjoy this series that we're doing on uh, fresh faith and looking at our, our lives with Christ and our lives for, uh, working for God in a different way. I've really enjoyed putting it together. So, uh, so in this section of, of Malachi we're reading, God's people have become, well, they become lazy and they become rote, and, and especially in their worship of God. Uh, they're bringing him offerings of animals that are they're tainted and they're lame, uh, they're blind. And this external offering is kind of a reflection of their hearts. They, 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 they've, they've, they've kind of become apathetic towards the worship of God. They've kind of said, well, you know, this is what I have to do, so I just show up and do it. And, and they've lost their passion, and they've lost their zeal, and they definitely have lost their obedience of the commands of God. And what, is, what was intended to display grateful hearts and to tie one's devotion in with who God was as a, as a being and, and to bring them joy and restoration for the week has become something of an extra job, uh, work, if you, if you will. And so they just kind of have let everything kind of go off to the wayside. And it's kind of become the equivalent to weak old leftovers presented to God as, as if there's something great. As if God showed up and they said, oh, here's yesterday's meat. I hope you enjoy it. Now, we're going to start in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your, present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. 
and I will not accept any offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the setting my name will be, will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from you, from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. The people here in Malachi, they're just plain lazy to some extent. I mean, they're, they're just lacking any kind of effort to worship. Like, oh yeah, it's Sunday. Go grab that crippled calf. Let's sacrifice that. It's that kind of attitude. It's kind of a ho-hum attitude towards God. But I'm really grateful that all the world has read Malachi and knows that God does not put up with laziness and that he applauds this and that this is unacceptable. Uh, and it's an unacceptable practice for life and that everybody has learned from that and that we don't have laziness in our lives now. None at all. Unfortunately, laziness plagues our society continually, right? Uh, in fact, I've, I found this little video on the uh, Internet. I want to share it. It's going to take a little bit to load up, I think, but go ahead and play it when you're ready. Yeah, um, some of us saw ourselves in that video, didn't we? And, and some of you, I, I heard it, some of you were like taking notes. 
like, especially when the guy was like laying down in the glass table, I heard somebody say, oh, genius, right? I don't know if you caught all those, but even, even the dog picked up on the human's laziness and wouldn't even get out of bed to eat, right? The point is that we do things sometimes in our lives, and we just, we just want to be lazy. Maybe sometimes we have the right to be lazy. Most of the time when we take that right, we probably don't have it. We probably don't really own it. In Malachi, the people of God, they were like these people. They were barely obeying God's commands. They were showing up and doing so little and putting forth so little effort to try to worship God that it was just aggravating him. They would show up and bring a half-hearted effort into worship. And it for the God of the universe, that just wasn't enough. Just like these people in the video that were taking shortcuts, the people of Malachi were trying to take shortcuts to an end. What makes matters worse is in our text, the people not only took all these shortcuts and, and, and didn't focus on their worship and didn't focus on their obedience to God, but they were complaining about the effort that they put forth. Not the fact that they put forth so bad of an effort, but that they had to put forth any effort at all. And they were complaining about this. Remember in verse 13, they, they used the word that they were wearisome. It was wearisome to them to show up and sacrifice this awful sacrifice. They have ceased to enjoy and delight in the worship of God. Something that was designed to bring deep satisfaction and health to humans they have ceased to understand. They have reduced it down to a religious platitude and wrote obedience devoid of any kind of heart. The people had become self-centered, seeking self-gratification rather than pursuing worship of God. Sadly, the, the children of God are, are missing out on the beauty and the joy of God's good design here in Malachi. Humankind is happiest when it is exposed to the glory of God, when it comes together in fellowship with each other to worship the Creator. But it got overlooked. It got overlooked for work or pleasure or whatever else they had going on. Nothing in life will bring the level of deep satisfaction that we feel when we truly worship God than worshiping God. You've heard it said before that there's a void in every human and we search to fill that void. Nothing will fill that void like God will fill that void. But it doesn't stop us, right? Often in life, we pine for something. We pine for a gift. We pine for something to, to fill that absenceness, that emptiness, that hole. I remember as a young kid, I, I, I wanted certain things as a kid, you know? I remember wanting the Millennium Falcon. That was pretty cool. I got that. That was a good gift, so we're not going to use that one as an example. But I remember wanting certain things. Even as an adult, we pine for certain things in life. And we, we pine and we want them, and then it almost never turns out to be exactly like we thought it should be. Since Christmas just passed, how many of you remember the movie A Christmas Story? Great movie, right? How many of you watch that every year? I watch that like every year, secretly, because I don't think anybody in my family likes it. 
But Christmas story, in the a Christmas story, little Ralphie wants what? Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. And he pines for it, and he's, he's writing a letter in his class, right? That's how the, the, the story kind of opens up, about how he deserves this Red Ryder BB gun. And his teacher tells him, you'll shoot your eye out. He tells his mom and his dad, and they tell him, you'll shoot your eye out. And he finally comes up with a foolproof plan, right? There he is at the mall. He climbs the long staircase to see Santa. He sits on Santa's lap, and he's going to tell Santa, he's going to tell the big guy directly what he wants, and he wants it so bad, and then he looks at the big guy, and he freaks out, and then he, like, gets sent down the slide, and he's hanging onto the slide, and he says, I want a Red Ryder BB gun, and the Santa just laughs and says, you shoot your eye out, and there it comes Christmas morning inside, inside their house, and inside the Parker home, and they've opened up all the presents, and it's like a chaotic mess but there's no Red Ryder BB gun. And then from behind the tree, or behind the piano, I think it is, his dad says, what's that behind the piano? And Ralphie pulls out one last gift, and it's the Red Ryder BB gun that he has wanted. And he's so excited. He pined for this. He wanted this. And then he takes it, and he, he throws on his galoshes and his overcoat and his hat, and he goes outside to shoot it, and he loads it up, and he, he makes his final stand comment that his favorite character on the radio, Red Ryder, has always said. And he pulls the trigger, and he shoots his eye out. And then he has to lie to his mom about what happens. Sometimes when we pine for things that aren't God in life, that's what happens to us. We long and long and long for something, and everybody tells us that's just not a good thing to go after. And God keeps sending us messages going, Don't do this. Don't go this way. And we keep going, you don't understand. I really want this or I really deserve this. And we keep heading down that road. And finally, we get whatever it is we want. And it really lets us down. It really isn't what we wanted. And sometimes in severe cases like Ralphie's, it forces us to commit sin. And we begin to cover things up. See, The gift that God has provided for his children is himself. And it's a great gift. Yet his people are continually pushing away and forgetting what the great gift really is and what a great sacrifice it came. In Malachi, Malachi implores the people of God to offer gifts to the Lord that are befitting of his greatness half-hearted responses will never produce the level of worship that is due to God. It'll never create the level of joy that they're supposed to feel in worship. However, the people continue to offer God these half-hearted gifts. Offering God the best of all that they have, including their hearts and their time and their money and their energy, will bring about satisfaction that surpasses all the joys of the world. But they don't. People today often attend church. They give, they serve, and they worship based on what the experience is going to be and what they think they can get out of that experience. It's almost like they approach it with a time-loss statement. They're looking at it from an economic standpoint. 
if I put in a certain amount of investment, what is the return that is appropriate that I get back from the church and from the people and from God? As a preacher, I see this in different levels in almost all believers. It's a type of self-forced and self-focused religion. It reduces God to nothing more than a cosmic vending machine. People, people begin to go, okay, God, I'll tell you what, I, 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 I kind of, I'll show up, say, ten times this year if you will produce X for me. But if you'll produce Y, I'll show up 15 times. Perhaps that's not the rational inside your own minds, but, but perhaps there's a rational that's similar. Some people have even said to me, your church is not energetic enough for me. I like the people, but not the singing. I like the family feel, but not the sermons. I like the blank, but not the blank. It becomes that, that we become to thinking that, that church was made for us. When all along, church was made for God. See, the, the, the church isn't necessarily here for you, though it is good because we can commune together and we can come together in fellowship and help each other. But the church was established to do what? God's work. It was here for God. And when we come together for worship, this worship, though it should leave you feeling good, full of joy, has a lot to do with how much you put into it. There's no external force up here, I promise you, that's like shooting rays of energy and joy out into the audience. It's what you bring into this building on behalf of God. It's what you sacrifice that you're going to get back in return. What we offer God is what God is offering us. And sometimes when we come with a ho-hum attitude, we come with this idea of, well, you know, i got to get this checked off my list this Sunday. That's not the attitude God wants us to have. Because what God offers us is so much more satisfying and so much more profound than a music festival or a sports event. What God offers us is so much more than just a sermon and so much more than just fellowship. So much more than just feeling noticed. What God offers us is so much greater than what we can understand. And for that, what God deserves from us is a life that appropriate places, appropriately places God at the center and offers Him the very best of what all that we have as an act of worship. When we make worship about God, not about what we like and what we want and what we desire to have. But we make it about God and what He wants. When we wake up on Sunday morning and we say, God, I'm putting you first in my life. Show me your will and your desire for me. Show me, Lord, where you are working in my community, where you are working in my church, where you are working in my friends, where you are working in my work. And show me where I can. Show me how I worship you. Lead me to long for you. Lead me to pine for you. That is when we as Christians quit thinking that this is about us. And we begin to do what the people of Malachi couldn't do. 
begin to do what God has called us to do, and that is worship Him. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, sometimes we forget we are human. You know how you made us. Sometimes we just forget what's important. We just overlook it. We get busy with life and we get seduced by what's going on in the world and all the yummy treats that it has for our minds and for our bodies. And we forget. We forget that the only thing that's going to fill us up, the only thing that's going to satisfy us is you. You are the bread. Like it was said during communion, you are the bread. You are the bread that satisfies us. Lord, put it on our hearts today that when we leave here, that we refocus our lives, that we focus on the worship of you in our daily lives and on Sunday mornings. We bring that joy, that exhilaration, and those stories of sharing our faith in the world so we can encourage each other and lift each other up. Let our sacrifice for you not be sick. Let it not be sick, Lord. But let it be first fruit focused on you daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're able, please stand for our final song this morning, number 155.